bit of a spoiler alert about what I'm talking about today. So, uh, you know, Tom's been very brave, and Tom has allowed me to talk about a four-letter word. You may have a bit of a guess what the four-letter word is from what you've just heard, but we're going to talk this morning about something that we don't necessarily talk about a lot in church, which is work, and the idea of God being at work in us through the work um, that we do. So, quick show of hands, who here is going to be at work in Sheffield this week? Okay. Quite a lot of hands, thank you. I think collectively we are going to spend hundreds, possibly even into the thousands of hours this week at work in this city. And as we're thinking about uh, our vision to be a church for the city, I kind of think God might want to do something with that. So we're at Vision Month. Uh, These are the things we've been talking about this month, about how we can be a church for the city, how we can be ambassadors of hope uh, through the things that we do. So as we think about work today, there's a couple of important things to say in terms of setting this in context. First is, I know work can be a tough place. I have worked for Sheffield City Council for nearly 18 years. I know work can be a tough place. (laughs) Second thing about context is, when we get to Vision Month, I know that it can feel sometimes like I've been given another thing to think about and giving another thing to do. The heart of talking about this this morning is not to give you another thing to do. It's to think about what you're already doing and to think about how we can invite God afresh into that. So let me tell you a little bit about my job for the council. Um, So I work with the elected councillors in the north of the city. So that's from Stannington up to Stocksbridge. And I manage a little team and we work with the community groups, we work with the people that provide services, essentially try and knit that together, address issues, bring forth projects to make that a better place to live. And if you are used to using the marvel of the internet, I would like to ask you to go onto it and to sign up for updates from your local team. So if you are in Crooks, then you're in the Southwest team. If you're in Hillsborough or Walkley, you're in the central team, there's seven different teams, and I'd love you to sign up to your team just to hear about uh, what is going on in terms of what we're talking about, which is being a church for the city. So I want to say I know that we are going to be at different places this morning. So talking throughout the day, mostly tonight, I'm going to be talking to the students who have got work ahead of them. Um, Done the nine o'clock, most of uh, of them have retired. Most of us here, many of us here at work. Whatever life stage you're at, then God knows that. Thinking about the the students, this is actually my 30-year anniversary of coming here as a student and joining this church. Um, I struggled my way through. It was a burden, but I struggled my way through a sociology degree. (laughs) I had five hours of lectures. A week, obviously, a week. And uh, I somehow made my way through that to, to graduate. And then I got to, to the end of that, and I wasn't too sure what to do. So I did the training year here. And um, many of you will know that in the 90s, the church did loads of great things, but not necessarily naming things. So these days, you're invited to be an intern or form or the college. So in 1996, I joined the Young Adult Placement Scheme. I became a YAP. It sounds like something, sounds like probation or something, doesn't it? Um, but uh, through that scheme, I got placed with the church over in Darnall. 
And I felt called to go and join that church. So I left this church in 97 as work was uh, ahead of me. And the irony is that as I left this church, Louise joined it. And we actually think that was probably a good thing because I met Louise early on when she was in Sheffield at a party and I made an impression on her. Um, and uh, I talked too much. And uh, we have a mutual friend called Giles, Giles Holloway. You might know him as the, the leader of the King Centre in Netheredge. Um, Louise's first impression of me was that I was Giles's short, annoying mate who looks a bit like Noel Evans. <laughs> so that's where we're working from. It's not great, is it? But, you know, luckily I made a better impression a couple of years later. We got married. Louise joined me in, uh, in Darnall. So at that point I was working for the church, kind of morphed from voluntary work to kind of getting paid. And then I was part of the leadership of the church. And uh, the idea was it'd be good for me to get some experience of doing a job alongside church leadership, which is when I joined the council started the work of uh, working with councillors. Now, some of you will know our story of how uh, we came back to this church, which is uh, we have two lovely boys, Joe, who some of you have met, who is now in Bristol sporting an excellent moustache. We're, we're very proud of his moustache, amongst other things. Uh, and some of you will know we have a younger boy, Ben, and we lost Ben in 2011. And I knew that I couldn't carry on uh, with the church leadership. My head was pretty mashed. So we came back here and we found a great welcome, found community. And um, at that point, I'd had a couple of promotions in the council. Um, and then I was told, a couple of years after coming back here in 2013, that my job was going to be deleted, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, so I had a year where the lovely new community that we joined were praying for us as I kind of tried to see whether I was going to have a job. And I had a year of applying internally to see if I could get redeployed, and that not going so well. And the thing is, God has a sense of humor. I think many of you will have experienced this. So four weeks away from redundancy, I got a job in the council as a complaints manager. <laughs> and I, I managed that for two years, I really did. And uh, then luckily I was called onwards to do some, some work in mental health commissioning and then back to the work with uh, councillors. So it's just important to say across the day, wherever you're at, in terms of life stage, God knows. So as a, as a body, as a community, we have people looking forward to work, we have people looking back, and we have people in work. Sometimes you're in work and it's going great, sometimes it's going slightly less well, and sometimes it feels like both within the same time. Wherever you are with that, it's important this morning for you to know that God knows that and wants to speak into that for you. So in terms of uh, Bible-based, we're going to go back to the same passages that we've been focusing on uh, during this vision season, because I think they're really important and relevant for this. So Jeremiah, you know, this has become like a kind of anchor passage for us as a church over the last couple of years. Um, and so to read this again, God speaking to his people in exile, he says, um, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give daughters your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase the number there, do not decrease. And then we have this key verse. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I think just 
reflecting on this again, it's just understanding how kind of radical this is. These people have been carried into exile. They have been taken away from their land. They're essentially being actively persecuted, and they are then being called to pay, pray for the peace and prosperity of the people that have done that to them. It seems, it's tough, isn't it? It's like when you're really struggling with somebody, and God reminds you of the verse where he says, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. It's a challenge, isn't it? But God says his heart for them was to do that because through that they would show who they were and they would show who he is. So that passage says to us now that the call to Sheffield is to be prepared to engage with it and think about how we can do that through our work. We've also been looking at uh, this passage in Esther, Esther 4, where we know that the story in Esther is Esther and her cousin Mordecai are Jews. Uh, Esther has been elevated to the position of queen, but then now there is this threat uh, against the Jewish people that they're going to be wiped out. And so Mordecai comes to Esther and says, you know, I need you to do something about this, and she is fearful. And so Mordecai says, do not think because you're in the king's house you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And then this key verse that we've been focusing on, who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And the risk is that we read that and we go, yeah, but Esther was in a really important position and there was a really obvious sort of national crisis is this true for me? Is where I am for such a time of this? And uh, unsurprisingly, God says yes, because God is constantly at work wherever we are uh, and whatever we're doing. That is his nature. God is always wanting to do a new thing. God is very simply, as his people, saying, I, I want to bless you and make you a blessing. So wherever you are, whether it seems obvious or not, he wants to equip us to engage with whatever we face. And later on then in Esther, we get um, this really powerful verse where uh, Esther goes away and she reflects. She reflects on the challenge and the fear that if this goes wrong, she's done for. And she says to Mordecai, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law, and if I perish... I perish. So Esther is essentially saying, I will face the, my greatest fear. And it's a pretty big fear, isn't it, being killed? I'm, going to fa I'm prepared to face that fear. And when it comes to us engaging with a city and engaging with our workplace, we will have fears too. We may have fears about how we're perceived. We may have fears about what that will do for our prospects. But God calls us to step into that place of fear, and he says that he will be with us in that. God has been saying to me, as I've had to reflect back about my work and my attitude towards my work, he's been saying to me, I want you to see the possibilities. I want to see what is possible through what you do. And one of the areas of possibility, obviously, in terms of being God's people in the workplace, is being alongside individual people and witnessing to them. So... When I was in that mental health role, uh, my boss, Mel, came to faith, which was amazing. And um, that was not because I was witnessing to her every day. That's not because I was amazing at prayer. 
In reality, there were a bunch of us in that team who were just open that we had a living faith. And my faith, as you can imagine, was pretty raw. But I was honest about it, and through a number of things, God spoke to Mel, and she came to faith. So part of the call on us is a willingness within our workplaces to invest in relationships with the people that are around us. God wants to bring change into the city through our work. Sometimes that is about praying about the stuff that we're used to doing, but God will help us just to do a really great job, to have real creativity, to have real insights, to have a sense of expectation that good things are possible through our work, when sometimes, let's be honest, it can become quite over-familiar, can't it? When, uh, when I pray with other folk in the council, we have a monthly prayer meeting. God will often give me the same picture, which is about different lights, different beacons. So that's about us as Christians being beacons in the different parts of the council. And it's true for us in terms of what we do in the city. So God wants us to see the possibilities but we've already said we need to acknowledge work can be really tough. And I want to talk about a couple of areas, if I'm honest, where I know, as I've reflected on this, that I really struggle. And if these are things that are true for you as well, then as we always say, talk to somebody, maybe come and get some prayer. Because these are things that I think hinder me from engaging with what God wants to do through me in the workplace. The first of those is cynicism. So cynicism says, this can't change. This can't get any better. And it's easy to get into that mindset. I remember when I was fairly new in the council, I was, I was on the stairs up to the office one day, and I saw one of, the, one of the other guys in one of the other area teams. He was a really lovely guy. And he said to me, uh, how are you getting on? And I said, to be honest, I don't really know what I'm doing. And he said, uh, don't worry, you'll get used to that. And that didn't actually help me very much, unsurprisingly. Um, but that's a very normal kind of thing, you know, that many of us will have experienced, that sort of gallows humor that you can get in the workplace. And we have to acknowledge, for many of us, there is a real weariness and there can be real disappointment in the work that we do. Um, what God has been saying to me is, you can have reasons for cynicism. You can have reasons to be disappointed and not have great expectations. You can have those reasons for cynicism without becoming a cynic. And that's the challenge for me. Because when we become a cynic, we give up hope. We give up the hope that uh, Liam was talking about earlier. Because God would say, however tough it is, and if it's tough, we acknowledge that and we stand with you in that. However tough it is... There is hope. There's hope at least for your bit, because you're there, and he is with you. And sometimes I know for myself, I need to go back, and I need to remember God's track record and the way that God has been faithful to me uh, through the years. So cynicism for me is a challenge in being open to see what God wants to do. Another challenge, another thing that holds me back, is a bit of a habit of escapism. So Louise will tell you, it is possible to, for me to be in the room, but not really in the room. It's possible to kind of be there, but really your head's somewhere else. And escapism says, I'm here, but I don't really want to be. 
you know, and really I'd rather be doing that job over there. Or uh, really I would, uh, you know, I'd rather be writing books for a living, which I would. Or I'd rather be on a beach in Northumberland, you know. And the thing is, escapism takes us away from having that ability to be open to hear what God wants to say and do. And I want to kind of go back over a little bit of something that Tom spoke about last week, because I think that's a really important thing about how we are as a church, and in terms of this tendency sometimes for escapism. So in John 17, uh, Jesus is praying to the Father for us. And he says this, he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And we have the phrase that you've probably heard before, that we're called to be in the world, but not of it. So we're called to be a part of the world, bringing salt and light, but not to have the same values. And the risk is that we tend to go to extremes and we tend to drift. So what can happen very easily is... What Tom talked about last week is acquiescence. We can do the thing where we, we drift and where actually we are in the world, but we're kind of the same as the world. We're kind of indistinguishable. We've, we've sort of blended in. So that cynicism is an example of having the same values and the same attitudes. So we, we, we kind of be aware of that and think, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have the world's values. And so we can do another thing where... Um, we can think, well, I need to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm reading my Bible a lot. Good to do that. Read Christian books. Listen to loads of praise music. That's a really good thing to do. Um, go to church and lots of church services a lot. All really good things. And, um, you know, what about I spend all my time in Christian fellowship? Now, all of those things are really good things. But here's the risk, which is that if we do that, we're kind of not really in the world anymore. Because what we've done is we've created another world. We've created a Christian world, a bit of a Christian bubble, because that feels safer. And actually, God is saying, I want you to be in the world. I want you to be in the world. Um, I don't want you to escape from it. I want you to inhabit it. I want you to engage with it in order, through me, so that you can transform it. So, some practical things, maybe, to think about how we do that, what that might look like, things that I hope will be helpful this morning. Uh, if we can just jump onto the next slide, thank you. Um, the first of which is you need to know, please, you need to hear this morning that what you do matters. Because there is a risk. There is a risk going back to Esther where you think, well, yeah, well, Esther was the queen and there was a national crisis and she got to be all strategic. What I do is really ordinary. You need to know that what you do matters because you have a place of influence. If you're dealing with people in any way, you have a place of influence. And God is there to help you with that, to be fruitful. The, the mistake that we can make is we can think, well, what I do is, is really ordinary. It's a bit mundane. It's just the detail of life. And we can think that God moves in the, you know, the thunderclaps and the mountaintops and the breakthroughs. It's like... Most of life is the ordinary stuff. That's our experience, isn't it? Most of life is the ordinary stuff. God wants to be in that ordinary stuff uh, to do stuff within it. So you need to know that what you do matters. Secondly, there's this challenge which God has really been speaking to me about, about how can I see my work situation afresh? How can I see it 
uh, through his eyes. And to see that sometimes where it feels kind of impossible, it's not impossible in him. So what does that look like for me? Well, a couple of practical things as I've been praying about this over the last few weeks. God is saying that he wants to give me a fresh vision for the north of the city. So that's something that I need to be praying through. And as part of that, he's speaking to me about the fact that part of my job is to link in with people like church leaders. And that what I need to do is to meet up with some of those guys, not for a coffee, to hear the lovely things their church is doing. I need to meet up with them and pray. And maybe, maybe prayer walk. But that, for me, is about getting myself in a place where I can be hearing afresh from God. What the Esther story tells us very graphically is that circumstances are not the final word, yeah? It looked pretty bleak for Esther. And Esther is an amazing story of reversal. So we know in the story, Haman is the bad guy. Yeah, Haman's trying to wipe out the Jews. Haman builds a gallows, and Haman ends up on the gallows. God reverses the situation. And if you look at the the Esther story in the, the Bible Project on YouTube, it says that the fundamental story of Esther is they had not been abandoned. So God is in the habit of turning things around, of confounding expectations. We think we are a people of the cross, yeah? The cross and the tomb are supposed to be signs of defeat. God turns them around. Tom sometimes talks about working in the opposite spirit. So in terms of me having eyes to see what God is saying, one of the things that God has been saying to me in terms of my workplace is that he, he wants me to seek to serve and not to be a success. So that's how he's speaking to me about my workplace. Final thing, and we're going to do something very practical about this in a minute, is to recognize that we need each other to do this, that we don't go it alone. And I think the greatest risk often for us being a witness, being a light in the workplace, is that we become isolated. So I don't know what that might look like for you. It may be that there are other people in your workplace that you could pray with. It may be that there's other folk who do the same sort of thing as you somewhere else that you can, you can talk with or you can pray with. Or, as I was talking to the guys at 9 o'clock about, there may well be people who did the job before who can stand with the guys that are doing it now. But as a body, we need to stand with each other because work can be really tough. So I want to say to you, whatever is going on with you, it's going to vary by definition, Whatever is going on with you in terms of work, God wants you to know that he is with you, that he is for you, and that he is in you. And Romans 12 in the message says this, says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I think it'd be pretty interesting if we all do that again. If we all basically go, here it is, God, what's and all, you know what I'm doing. We're going to give it back to you. We're going to stand together, and we're going to see what you can do with that. So we're going to do a very practical thing now, quite quickly, um, to think about this and try and symbolize this idea um, that we are not alone in this. So, Luke, I'm going to borrow you to be helpful with this. Okay, so... Louise, if you want to hold that first bit of paper for me, actually, and you want to stand up, okay? 
This first piece of paper says education. Anyone who is in any way involved in the world of education, working with children or young people, could you stand, please? Okay? What I want you to do, because we haven't got loads of time, I want you to stare at each other. I want you to eyeball each other a bit and think, if I don't know you, I'm going to say hi, because we do the same sort of thing, yeah? And if you maybe knew them, but you didn't know they did that, well, again, have a conversation, connect. Okay, great. So, thank you, that's great. So, where is, where is, we'll do health next. Where's Tom the medic gone? Right, great. So, again, anybody in any way who's involved in health and well-being, could you stand up, please? Fabulous. Same thing, your job basically is to stare at each other. Sorry if it's a bit weird. So that you can see who each other are. And if you're not connected, I'd love it if you can try and have a conversation. Um, because you're not alone in what you're doing. Thank you very much. Okay, right. Civic life. I'm going to get Tom to do this one because I haven't got an obvious person. Okay. If you, if you um, this is a whole range of stuff, right? So if you do churchy stuff, community stuff, if you work for the council, police, justice system, any of that where it's about the civic life of the city, could you stand up, please? Brilliant. Okay. And I think there is a greater risk in this that this is an area where people may be a bit isolated. Okay. So great. Check each other out. Um, fab. And then the final one, uh, if you hand that over to Alistair over there. Alistair, if you could stand, please. This is the one that we maybe don't talk about very much and we forget about. If you, if you uh, work in business, if you work in the private sector, could you stand, please? Brilliant. Okay. And you might think, yeah, we don't get talked about very much. Never mind the social workers and the doctors. All good. So, again, just make a bit of uh, eye contact. You may be able to connect up later and just know that in what you do, you are not the only person who's working in that space. Thank you. Okay. So... What I'm going to invite Tom to do is um, actually like to, like to ask everyone to stand, please. What I'm going to ask Tom to do is to, to close this is to pray a blessing over all of you and all of your work and all of you volunteering, everything that's going on. And um, as per normal, if this is spoken to you uh, in any way, then um, please come and talk to somebody who gets some prayer for that.